What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we hung out with Slug of Atmosphere over Zoom video. Slug was one of the first people I ever interviewed when I first got into radio. This was like 15, 15 years ago in San Diego at this uh, festival that was called Street Scene. I think it stopped in like 2009. It was one of the last ones they did. Um, but Atmosphere performed, and I had the opportunity to, uh, to interview Slug. And it was really funny because I just had like a lav mic. So I'm handing him like this little lav mic, and, and <laughs> we're kind of passing it back and forth. Not in this interview, but the first time I, I interviewed him. And so it was cool to kind of reminisce on that a little bit. And I've just been a fan of Atmosphere and Slug since like 2002 when they put out God Loves Ugly. But it was amazing to hear kind of the origin story of of Slug's life and starting Atmosphere. And he talks about being born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, getting into hip hop. He was big into breakdancing and graffiti. He actually started out as a DJ, worked at a record store. And uh, eventually started to, to rap. He talked about the early days of Atmosphere kind of building their own scene in Minneapolis. What it was like to kind of have some success and quit his job and just do, do music full time. We hear about the success of Seven's Travels and getting and how he teamed up with Epitaph Records to distribute that album and getting radio play and his video on MTV. And Slug also dives real deep into the new album. And we hear all about the concept behind the album. It's a really cool way that Ant and Slug work together. And he really maps out how this album was put together. It's called So Many Other Realities Exist Simultaneously. And we talk about the music video for OK as well. You can watch the interview with Slug and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. He's in his car cruising around Minneapolis during the conversation. It's really a cool interview. So watch that YouTube channel, Facebook page. It'd be amazing if you follow us there on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're checking this out on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well. And hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Atmosphere. Dude, I'm so excited to speak with you, man. It's been a while. So um, I'm Adam, and this is about you and uh, your journey in music. And obviously, we'll talk about the new album as well, if that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I like I, was, I like all of that. I like I like talking. So I like the sound of my own voice. I was told that's why I rap. Uh, one of my colleagues said, "You know, you know, as as he's passing the, the joint, you know, the reason we talk too much is 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 because we love the sound of our own voice, and we're just working out the lines before we have to say them in front of people." And and it sounded way more cool when he said it. So when I say it, it's like it sounds kind of trite. Anyway. No, no, that's it's funny. I always used to say that too when I when I first started radio. I'm like, yeah, I just like the sound of my own voice, and and I like talking to myself in a in a in a booth. Yeah, but you got a pretty good voice. Like you got a good radio voice. It makes sense to me that you're doing that. Like I could see you doing radio, or maybe I don't know, being a pediatrician. You got a good voice, so I, you can <laughs> pediatrician. Yeah, man. Like you'd be a good doctor for kids. Like, look, look, Billy, you got to you got to take the shot, or otherwise you end up with the mumps, and you don't want the mumps. You know, like. The most. I, I have two kids of my own. I, I wish I my voice worked that well on them when I'm <laughs> when they don't listen to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I do know what you mean. Yeah. So, were you born and raised in in Minneapolis? Then I was. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I I, I kind of was in the same two square miles pretty much the majority of my life. You know, they were there. Were, there was a time when I snuck over to a different part of town just because I thought that was the pragmatic thing to do uh, for, from a financial standpoint or what have you. But, but then I, I always ended up back in South central Minneapolis. You know, we used to just say South Minneapolis. And then one time I saw it in print, somebody said South central Minneapolis. And because of my relationship to 
hip hop and how hardcore and tough the words South Central make anything sound. Sure. I, I, I now once in a while I say South Central Minneapolis, but we don't really talk like that here. So I'm trying to figure out why. Why would I say that to you? I don't know because it's uh, it's really hardcore and tough. I like uh, it. But yeah, yeah, South Minneapolis. Um, my father born and raised there as well. In fact, his childhood home was four blocks away from my childhood home. No way. That's awesome. Did, were your grandparents there or his parents still there? Um, no, he, oh. his, his, his parents are, are, are not around anymore. Oh, okay. And he's, and he's passed away as well. Yeah, no, no, there's, I, um, you know, he like has as a, a sister, kid, a, a sibling. And so I still have an auntie that's here. Um, and then, you know, a lot of cousins. Sure. But as a kid, more, you, more cousins than home. I'll actually admit to. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay. but, uh, as a kid, um, as a kid, I didn't, I didn't fully understand the greatness of all that. It wasn't, it's not till you're adult that you can actually like really process and, 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 and be grateful for something like that. As a kid, you feel like, oh man, I want to be in New York. I want, I feel boxed in. I want to, I want to move to LA. I want to be in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? All these mm -hmm. things because you're like, my town is too little, you know? Uh, as an adult, you're like, oh man, like rent here is mad cheap because it's super cold and you can't, <laughs> you gotta pay, you gotta pay people to live here. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, yeah, as an adult, you, you, you know how to appreciate something like that. It's interesting. Cause one of my children is super Minneapolis proud. And oh, wow. I, I find, I, I find that interesting because at his age, I wasn't like Minneapolis proud. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't not proud, but I, I had. I had dreams of, you know, going to like Paris and London and who knows where, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah. We're do, like, I mean, as far as that goes, like, were you born and raised into like a musical household at all? Or like, how did you end up uh, wanting to pursue this? I mean, I was a kid of the seventies. And so my household was probably about as musical as most households were mm -hmm. in my city. Whereas that means like your parents have got, the musical taste that's shaped by the seventies, seventies radio vinyl was a big deal. And mm -hmm. so there's records in the house, you know, um, my dad, he messed around with an instrument, but I don't actually have a whole lot of memory of that. I've just, just through folklore. I know this, you know what I'm saying? It's like, by mm -hmm. the time I was making music, I never saw him play any instruments, you know, okay. but it was a musical family in that they loved music. Music okay. was a very integral part of the household when I was a kid. It was always on. It was always on either in the house or in the car. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the thing about hip hop as a kid, you didn't, it actually, knowing how to play the piano didn't, didn't, I didn't care if you knew how to play the piano. I was mm -hmm. into rap music. I didn't care if you could play guitar. So, knowing how to play music really didn't do anything for me. It wasn't something that I was like, Oh man, I want to learn how to, nah, we made music without instruments. And that was kind of the point in a way, um, because you find the thing that you're probably most insecure about and, 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 and lean into it and make it the thing that you are most proud of. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like making something out of nothing was a big part of how me and my friends found ourselves interested in making this music or being a part of this culture because it wasn't even just being a rapper or a dj we wanted to break dance we wanted to write graffiti you know we wanted to be fly we wanted to be because it wasn't like it, it just was the culture that we were attracted to as 11 year olds 12 year olds mm -hmm. and so like so with I, that were, were you writing like i mean how quickly were you i mean and what was kind of like the early hip-hop you were listening to I mean, back then, it's the same hip hop everybody listened to because it was the only hip hop that was available. There wasn't like it wasn't this tree of life that it is today with all these mm -hmm. different types of branches. You know, it was like you had 80s hip hop, which mm -hmm. you got to see evolution in it, you know, because early 80s hip hop was very electro and disco. And mm -hmm. then as it started to, you know, as technology started to create different drum machines and different, you know, samplers where you could actually take snippets of records and whatnot, it started to transform the landscape. But the rappers were all still from kind of a, a school of um, 
there was information they were giving us. There were jokes and stories they were telling us. There was homage to reggae. There was mm -hmm. homage to, to eventually to jazz. And then everything was about James Brown drums, you know? And so that is my introduction to it. Run DMC really was what made me want to rap, but not because I could rap good, just because I wanted attention. So I was willing to take <laughs> it and whatever. I would be Jam Master J. I, I would be DMC. I would be Run. I would be the guy that designed the Adidas sneakers on their feet. I didn't care. I just wanted to be a part of it. But it was Run DMC that made me want to be a part of it. They're the ones that made me realize this was not my father's music. This was my music. You know, prior yeah. to them, when rap still had disco in it, you had, you know, Sugar Hill Records or Curtis Blow. My dad was into that stuff. My dad had those records. My dad played that stuff in the car. But when Run DMC happened, I could see how he was flinching because they were yelling at him. Right. And that's when I was like, oh, that's for me. Like anybody that makes my dad flinch, that's for me. No different than how some kids probably fell into punk rock. Yeah. But their dads were into Aerosmith or something. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It's like, you know, dad, your Aerosmith ass dad ain't trying to listen to, you know, bad brains. So <laughs> I'm listening to bad brains. You know what I'm saying? So like Run DMC was my bad brains in that way. I love that. It's it's interesting that you say that because I have a 15 year old and a seven year old and the 15 year olds playing me stuff like music that he listens to it. And I'm and I, I kind of did the cringe and I try to be like hip to new stuff. And it's like, oh, like I, I'm such like the parent dad right now. Just, oh, this is this isn't music type deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> be careful, man. Be careful because you might, you know, you, you might make an artist out of them. Uh, right. No, oh, that'd be a great thing. <laughs> yeah, you say that. Listen, man, being an artist is not, is, is, is super awesome. But I, I think being a, 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 a artist's dad, there's a lot of heartache there because being an artist is is heartache, man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. some people some people get lucky and fortunate, and they find ways to like get that validation they're looking for through their art. And I and I I, I consider myself to be one of those fortunate, lucky jerk offs. You know what I'm saying? But it's like. <laughs> For, for for many of us, including those of us that are fortunate, it's a lot of heartbreak, man. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's it's like, yes, I would love to see my kids make art. But, man, I don't want to see my kids have broken hearts and 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 and, and suffer through some of the, I guess, the, the, the anxieties, the depressions, the, the different things that come along with being creative. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like. It's a it's a two way street, man. Like yeah, you know, there's no blueprint for it. It's not like you're gonna finish this and then like if you're a doctor, you know, pediatrician, yep. like you brought up earlier, you know, or something like yeah, that. where where it's like oh, you're you're probably likely gonna get a job. It's like right. the truth is with this, uh, you know, the odds of you getting a job are mad slim. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, I I, I like the fact that I've accumulated and paid a lot of attention so that even if I get fired from my position. I can likely still get some sort of career working in the field of art, even if I'm not the actual creator of that art. You know what I'm saying? It's like I've paid enough attention and I love art enough that I would probably still force myself to 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 be a square peg in a round hole somewhere in this landscape. Sure, sure. And when you started when you when Atmosphere started, you were actually what the DJ, right? And did you start off in the, as a DJ? Um, technically, yeah, I started off as a DJ. I mean, first, you know, as an 11 year old, I was a break dancer. Uh, okay. all of us were, we'd pull out the cardboard and, 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 and go to whoever's front yard. We were going to murder their grass this year, <laughs> um, and lay all the cardboard out and, 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 and would pull out a boom box and, and, we, and we would break dance all day long, break dance and play football. And then, um, and then I got into graffiti. You know, I realized I wasn't good enough to, I was scared to try a lot of the acrobatic stuff. I never learned how to spin on my head idea. A friend of mine could spin on his head. And, and because of that, he, he ended up getting really thick neck muscles. And when he would rap on stage, his muscles would flex and it was really kind of alien looking. I loved it. I missed that. Um, but I, I, I just didn't, I didn't progress as a break dancer. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do graffiti. And then as I got older with the graffiti thing, I would just, I was like, man, 
I, I, I just can't deal with the idea of having to call my mom to come bail me out of jail as a young father. You know what I'm saying? What am I, what am I doing? You know what I mean? No disrespect, but I just wasn't built for that. I was scared. I was, I was scared of the embarrassment that might, might come with that. I was scared of the, you know, the, the, the financial hit that might come from getting busted, you know, point blank. I, I was, I grew up scared of cops. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, but I, I, I collected records. I knew how to scratch. And so when I really, really tried to buckle down and get serious, I, I, I was a DJ and I wanted to be a DJ cause, cause you guys are the coolest. You guys that play records and talk on the radio specifically in, in the late eighties, early nineties for me, they were the coolest people in the city. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they were, I don't want to say gatekeepers because that's a bad word, but they but were kind the of back that, then, right? I mean, what yeah, would get on the air? The, yeah, but that's, I didn't know they were gatekeepers. I thought they were the heroes that were turning us on to new things that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So the DJs at college radio, uh, I, a part of my heart belonged to them because they were, they were the ones showing me all these, you know, Betty Severed. How, where did, how, why am I a fan of that? Well, it's because college radio was turning me on to all this weird indie rock stuff you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and then uh, the, the the people that worked at the record stores that you could sit and talk to for an hour and a half about what came out on this tuesday you know what i mean like so these are the cool people in my life these are the people i looked at and was like i want to be like these people so that's what i chased after i chased after being a dj and i i chased after working record retail mm-hmm. um and slowly just accidentally became a rapper <laughs> i could always rap I rapped in junior high because it was fun. I would rap in all the talent shows that I could, but I didn't do that because I wanted to grow up and be a rapper. I did mm. that because I loved the attention that it garnered for me, for people to be like, Oh yeah, you can rhyme. Like it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like a, a realistic career goal, <laughs> you know, <Sure>. especially <laughs> in Minneapolis, you know, there was not a, a industry for rappers in this city, but there was an industry for DJs. There was an industry for records. There was an industry for retail. You know what I'm saying? So I thought, you know, I'm going to try and be a DJ and work in a record store. And then someday either own a DJ unit that does school dances, parties, wedding receptions, whatever, or be on the radio. Even if that, if that's possible, you know what I'm saying? Uh, or own a record store. And then, like I said, I kind of just accidentally, fell into rapping because the i was in a group called urban atmosphere and the rapper spawn i was his dj and one day he was just like man you rap dude why don't you just rap on this song and i was like all right cool so i rapped on it and then the two of us just never really kind of looked back we just started making i I stopped being the dj and i became the fife dog to his q-tip you know what i'm saying and 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 then we became atmosphere and then we met anthony and ants started making all the beats and all of this was way back when we were still like we were a two-man group that had three whole songs to our name to show for five years of hanging out and smoking pot together (laughs) so it wasn't it wasn't very serious still because there was no industry for it you you didn't Mm -hmm. look at being a rapper as something that you could do for a long time it's just something you do right now because you love being around it you love the attention and you still got to get home at a decent hour so you can wake up and go to work tomorrow morning mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like um so yeah long story short you know to get to where i am now from where i came from it's a whole lot of luck and right place at the right time um and just you know i mean following the rule of common sense you know mm-hmm. common sense and not and not being afraid of risk I guess, but really mostly luck, man. Like I, I, I look at how I was able to find a position or a space in this compared to some of the rappers I knew growing up. And even still some of the rappers in my city who are phenomenal, amazing rappers better than me. You know, I know that for me, it must've been a right place, right time situation in order for me to have figured out how to even, you know, break into the next city over. Mm-hmm. Were you guys like, I mean, saying that at the time you said there really wasn't a whole, you know, a scene there for it were to play out or to kind of build a little fan base to, you know, to where you are now, obviously, was that like tr- convincing clubs to let you guys do shows there? Or was there a little bit of a scene where you could book something like on a, on a weeknight or weekend? So what had happened was in the early 90s, um, a couple of infamous concerts happened here in town. 
where big fights broke out and it scared the music industry here because we've always had a super strong music industry. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many big bands and, and artists have came out of it, obviously. And so rap, um, you know, for lack of a better colloquialism, went underground. It already super was, but it went even further underground. It went into the hands of independent promoters and just artists who were like, well, I'm going to throw a party. And at the end of the night, I'm going to rap at my own party type shit. And so mm -hmm. we had a scene, but just not an industry. There was a scene of people because there's always been, I mean, the love for hip hop was strong here, similar to how it was in Europe or is in Europe, where it's almost like since we have no birthright to it, since it, it since this is not the Bronx or even Brooklyn, since this is not Los Angeles, this is not, you know, when we found it, we loved it even harder almost like nerds. We loved it harder than the people who felt a birthright to it because to them, it was just every day. Y you know, I grew up across the hall from Nas. That's like, that would oh, never wow. happen here. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like that would never happen here. So there's a different kind of reverence for it that I saw, especially when I started traveling and seeing other towns like Minneapolis and saw the reverence for this music and culture compared to New York. And it's not that the people in New York didn't love it, but also it was easy for them. It was natural for them here. We all worked really hard to be the best of the best, et cetera. So there was a scene and it was a strong scene and it was a scene of rappers that would battle each other and a scene of DJs that would battle each other, but there was no industry. There was not ways for people to make music and sell it. You did have some groups who on the forefront, you know, groups like the Micronauts, IRM to be specific, um, who were putting out tapes and records to a population of people who would buy it, but it wasn't enough to create an industry, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it too, you know, there was a lot of competition because everybody wanted to be the king of the hill. Everybody wanted to be the first one to put Minneapolis on the map. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And so it's like all of this that you would, that you would expect in a town the size of this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when, when I, you know, kind of look back on that, like there was a, there was a, there was a groundwork. There was a foundation that was built there for us to all kind of use to inspire us but it wasn't a mentorship style thing it was still we were still trying to gather all the information we could from watching music videos or reading articles in magazines about how a large professor makes beats or about how you know what i mean it's like there was still a lot of that and, and, and just also you just kind of make it and go as you learn, which I do think is how Minneapolis got its sound for hip hop. When you look at some of the groups that people outside of Minneapolis are familiar with, um, you can see certain themes and sounds in their music that I think is um, you can see it in the rock from here, too. And you can also see mm -hmm. it in things like Prince, like uh, replacements, who's could do all of these bands were versions of their favorite bands and the sound that Minneapolis owns is one of, Hey, we don't really know what we're doing, but we're going to make our version of what's happening out there in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. I like to categorize it as a garage sound, but it's not basement thing because our garages are too cold half the year for you to sit in there with your guitar playing buddies and make music everybody had to do it in the basement which means they had to be a little quieter because mom is upstairs sure. and so now you're learning how to rock out at a minimal decibel level and that is part of what created our like kind of thinner minnesota sound that you heard inside of a lot of minnesota music this this is way weirder and deeper than i was intending to go with you so i apologize and thank you very much for allowing me to take you on this journey through minnesota music history as seen through the eyes of an old bitter rapper no i appreciate it i, I just thank you this is what i love about this podcast is just is hearing these these type of stories i don't want to keep you too long though i don't know if you have like a time crunch so uh that's <laughs> my only thing <laughs> um but uh, no, I, I'm, I'm just like, so once it comes, I mean, you've been independent this whole time. I mean, so to speak with, with starting rhyme sayers and uh, doing this all really like on a D it sounds like more of a, like a DIY basis, right? I mean, you guys had to forge the scene in Minneapolis and then like, how do you, then you get out of Minneapolis, obviously and in, in tour and, and have success with, you know, and from Lucy Ford on, even the first record was a big record, but 
I feel like once that album came out, I'm sure that was a little bit. Did that kind of change stuff for you when you did those two EPs? Um, it didn't. What happened at that point was everything started to blur. The blur before the storm occurred where I was like, well, there's something here. I can feel it. I don't know where it's going to go, but I'll throw myself. I'll lean into it a little bit heavier. Like the actual real, like I didn't, I was, I, I, I quit my job and got my self-employed for life tattoo across my chest <laughs> when we released God loves ugly. That okay. was when, that was when suddenly I was like, okay, I don't have to have another person tell me what to do anymore, mm -hmm. which is also when things got scary because, you know, when you have a boss telling you what to do, you can always at the very least depend on just doing what you're being told to do to get, to get you through when mm -hmm. suddenly my own decision-making and my own control freak nature was at the forefront of my life. Um, uh, steering it that's when things you know that's when the anxiety really turned up um mm -hmm. but also that's when the world was my oyster so to say that's when the sky had no limits that's when you know and so that was like kind of like the beginning of my my big eyes and 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 my even uh you know uh, like, like like that was when i was like oh i'm going to learn as much as possible i'm going to take in as much as possible and that's when the folk started to to shift from just having fun to being like oh what should my agenda truly be here i want to have fun i'd also like to pay my bills i also want to like make sure to develop situations that can help some of my other friends in minneapolis figure out how to also get to this space you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. um but that was kind of, that was it. You know, Overcast was interesting because people heard of us and we were getting write-ups in magazines and all kinds of things were happening, but you didn't really get to see any of the fruits of that. Nothing, it, did, it didn't translate to anything other than filling up these cardboard boxes of magazines that wrote about us. You know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, yeah. I'm collecting, you know what I mean? It was like, so at the time everything was still kind of scary because i was a young father and and i didn't you know i had no college education and i was like well what am i going to do i got to figure out how to get some health insurance to 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 be a real human being for my kid mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like uh you know life was still kind of freaky man i guess what i'm realizing and saying all this is life stayed scary it's just the fear or the monster shifted the monster would evolve mm -hmm. next you know i have no idea if that ends and i apologize no 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 this, that's totally did well like i mean when god loves ugly came out that's the first time i saw you that's when i got hit hit the atmosphere and i love that album and i went back and bought the uh, the lucy ford when you guys had put it out on a, on a like the two eps together on a on an lp and i remember seeing you at this venue in san diego that doesn't even exist anymore it's called the scene I know the scene. That was that was the all age spot, the big like little warehouse area. Or, or uh, yeah, it was like in a strip um, mall kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the good San Diego venues in strip malls. That's funny. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember seeing you guys there, and and Ant threw on like a hate breed song just in the middle of the set, and I was like, it was crazy. I don't know if you even remember doing that. Was that that was that was actually Mr. Dibs that put the hate? Oh, breed that song was Mr. On. Dibs did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. which totally makes sense because you know he's Mr. Dibs. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would be very surprised if Ant ever threw a hate breed song on. That would that would be scary. That would be my new <laughs> yeah, maybe monster. It was, that would, maybe uh, it was Dibs. Then. It was what? Well, yeah, was, somebody did, and I was like, damn, like this is insane. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah. So uh, w then you, I mean, then putting out Seven's Travels and having like the MTVs and, and, and all these things happening too, that must also cause you, you, like anxiety, right? It's like, okay, now we're at this next level. What, you know, what's, what, you know, how does that. When, when all that was happening, I, I was kind of in my lane, so to speak, because mm -hmm. I had committed to figuring that out, how to crack that code, solve that puzzle. And, I don't know that I ever did. I don't know that we got the chance to because things continued to still evolve. Um, but but that was when I, I think when, when when I was running around with dibs and all of these things were happening, like I'd said, when 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 things started to pop off, I just I leaned into it. I was like, okay, I want to figure out what this is. You know, it was almost like I was in that was my 
education time. That was my mm-hmm. college. You know what I'm saying? Uh, even though I was in my thirties at that point, I was 30 when God loves ugly came out. Um, but that was when I was really taking on the information. I was learning things about publicity. I was learning things about radio and how radio actually worked. Not just the things that us rappers used to tell each other about the conspiracies of who's holding us down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what, what the, how the industry is whatever, whatever. So, it's interesting because prior to that, you could even see in, in my material, I was very like, you know, anti record labels and all yeah. of this, all of the regular stuff that rappers were supposed to be when we were, you know, insecure. And when I hit that phase is when I started to open up and, 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 and just become, I don't want to say more worldly, but I was traveling the world and I was able to like get more perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like I said, that was when I was really in my lane. I was really like, gathering info but that was before i finally hit the space of like okay i've seen a lot of the world and i want nothing to do with it you know what i mean like <laughs> as you get older you're like nah i kind of just want a yard and some kids um and but at that time like that's when i was a mover and a shaker and i was really happy to be that because you know i was a late bloomer like i said i was i was 30 when god loves ugly happened and so this was my one chance to like have the childhood I didn't get to have, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and not only that, but also to learn a lot in the process to really make sure to meet people and, and ask questions and, 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 you know, travel a lot and try new foods. Cause up to that point, you know, I was a very picky eater because I was scared of food. And then, and then that was around the time with all the traveling and, and meeting people. I was just, I was opened up to like a whole, like 15 new pallets of food, bro. It, it was just, it was a, it was a very interesting time for me coming mm-hmm. from South Minneapolis and knowing that I really had no business being there in the room. You know what I'm saying? The fact that there was a space for me at the table was, it blew me away because I, you know, I was, I was, I was sure that I didn't, that I, that, that I somehow snuck in, you know what I mean? Like that, that this was not supposed to be happening. Yeah. But you had a unique, I mean, you have a unique, uh, like lyrical approach, I feel like too. It's just so relatable on so many levels to even such a broad spectrum. And I feel like, um, I mean, we were playing you on alternative radio in San Diego. Like, you know, it would be like a Green Day song into you know trying to find a balance. <laughs> it just like you, you, you were in this. You were you kind of just the sound kind of worked in such a bigger spectrum. And I, I feel like you see that more nowadays with artists. But at the time, I was. It was really cool to see, you know, hip hop artists being, you know, on the same playlist on the radio as, you know, a punk. You know, I I have theories of that as well, though, because I feel like, again, some right place, right timeness. But we were getting courted by pretty much every label. Um, I, I, I had meetings with everybody, all the super famous label executives and all of the, uh, you know, I, I got to meet them all and talk to them. And I also had the opportunity to decline everything awesome. that they all offered. <laughs> um, and then Epitaph was like, well, we're here for you if you want to do something interesting. Mm-hmm. And they knew I didn't want to sign a deal. And so they were like, well, what about just letting us, you know, um, license your next album? And it was like, okay. And if that happens, what does it look like? You know, and, and, and once looking at all of the, numbers and the ownership and then also looking at what they were putting on the table it made the most sense to us they only they they, they, they didn't they, they were like hey we'll do distro literally just a license agreement distro for sevens travels and in return and, and, and here's what you'll get percentage wise and it wasn't a crazy bad number mm-hmm. and they're like and then we'll also get you on warp tour and it was like yo you can get us on warp tour and they're like yeah you know, we have some pull because they usually book a lot of our bands. And so we could probably sneak you guys onto one of the smaller stages. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, that was kind of the thing that made me go, if I can get in front of those people and do what I do, I think that I can probably, I could, I could probably fish for some of these fans. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, let's do this. And I do think that hand in hand between our name getting thrown into the warp tour mix and our name being thrown on the epitaph roster for a year, got us onto alternative radio, alternative rock 
stations. We were played on K-Rock in L.A., and it mm -hmm. was trying to find a balance. Now, had we not done that with Epitaph, there is no way that song would have found its way to alternative rock radio. It would have lived in Fat Beats, just like all of our other records did, and it would have been too alternative for a lot of the backpacker rap fans to even fuck with because we were incorporating rock and we were we were slowing the beats down already before that was becoming like a trend you know what i'm saying it's like mm -hmm. and, and and so a lot of that sound that we were fucking with was being informed by my traveling and meeting people and 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 you know going to see hardcore shows or going to see you know i mean just being around other cultures outside of just the backpack culture that i was from and so by incorporating that in the music and then being able to do warp tour I think that's kind of how that it all just kind of worked together. And that's what broke our record on radio. That's what broke our record on MTV, you know? Um, and it, it was a huge, a huge, huge plus for us. You know, I, I will always be grateful to Epitaph for that because they were so dope about the whole process. You know what I'm saying? It's like for somebody who was coming from a, you know, F the major labels kind of mind state to go to them who are, they're an indie label, but they essentially they're big enough and and they operate like a smaller version of a major you know what i'm saying yeah. so it was like it was a it was a good learning experience without me having to actually give over or give up my rights to any of my music or or you know feel used or any of the stuff that hip-hop had trained me to be skeptical of you know what i'm saying yeah i mean just because they are they are an indie label but in and they're run by you know bad religion and just like that whole like punk rock roots but they're also yep. a mat they have such big bands that they have you know kind of become this major well, they, so they, to speak yeah major distribution. you know ultimately that's kind of what an indie label wants they want to be able to walk into a bank and go i need a loan for this much fucking money yeah. without without the bank laughing at them so when you're an indie label that gets to that point then that means you have the resources to break artists that you believe in that might be too risky but you 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 know too risky for a for a wea or too risky for for you know a universal um but you can do it because not only are you big enough and have the resources to break them but you have the the the, the background there are people who are fans of the label Right, you know what I'm right. saying? And that's a thing. You know, that's, there's nobody that's just like, I'm a fan of Sony. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like, but there, there, there were people sp specifically at that time who were like, yo, I'm rocking a shirt that says Epitaph. Literally, mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like, and that was, that was, that, that, that's not something, you know, so they were an indie that got to, that, that had access to the resources that a major might. Um, and not really, obviously, majors own, like, you know housing developments and shit like majors are huge you know what i mean yeah, 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 but, yeah. but but like but like but like just as far as indies go epitaph was like massive you know what i mean and then just their relationship to uh the the whole vans and warp tour scene at that time like that was a machine that was a machine that basically was able to sell a band like me to kids that were like supposed to be listening to coheed and cambria you know what i mean and it's <laughs> yeah. like and and it's crazy because we would see the crossover then between Coheed and like we had no idea that that would actually be a thing, but it was a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? It was like, mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was pretty cool to see that. And it was pretty cool for bands on Warp Tour to be able to get along with each other based on the fact that they shared an audience, you know, people who might not ever have even looked twice at each other on the street. But because we share an audience, we have this bond that we can sit and, and shoot the shit and talk about and realize, oh, we actually have a lot more in common than we thought, even though we came from these differently or more diverse spaces than each other. Uh, I don't know, you know, I, I, all that just to say, like, again, I was super fortunate and lucky in how a lot of this played out because it, it didn't have to. It, you know, I know that. I know that that this didn't go this way because of how much i deserved it. it it went this way because i was like whoa at, at, i was at the right place at the right time and i was allowed to be myself that's the other thing about a lot of this man is like i look back on a lot of it and go wow that i never really had to like pretend to be or pretend to be 
um, angry or pretend to be smart or pretend to be, I could be the same not well enough read human being that I really am. I could be, I can be full of dad jokes. I could be whatever the hell I want to be. And I was still being accepted by my audience, you know? And, mm -hmm. and that was even early on, you know, like people talk about God loves ugly and Lucy Ford. And I'm like, man, it's crazy when I look at that. Cause I was cracking dad jokes on those records. You listen to a record like guns and cigarettes on the Lucy Ford album. And it's like full of really corny jokes, but somehow <laughs> I was able to sell those jokes to people. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting to see how I've still managed to just kind of hold my space as the, as the, as the true dipshit that I really am. And, <laughs> but you know, and, 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 and be okay that way. And it's, it's like I, people allow me to, they accept me. Well, you're authentic as hell. And you're, you're also, um, not only authentic, but vulnerable with your lyrics and, and what you speak of and the stories that you tell. I think that's what draws people in as well. Well, you know, it's funny because, and I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And um, I don't know what it means, though, because I feel like there's nothing that I'm doing that everybody couldn't do. When we write songs, we don't write them in front of people. Mm -hmm. You're by yourself. You're writing these words and you're by yourself, or maybe you're next to the person who you're co-creating this with, right? And so how could you not be authentic? You're alone. You have this opportunity to be vulnerable because you're by your fucking self. I'm sorry for cursing. I don't know if I'm. Oh, no, you, you're allowed to cuss. Yeah, oh, no. Okay, okay. Oh, that is crazy <laughs> because you have no idea. I've been so careful this whole time. No, dude, you can okay, cuss. So, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but you're alone. So why not write what you would write to yourself? Why not write what you would write while alone? And then you still have time to edit it before another person has to hear it. But for at least that moment, figure out what you're trying to say in that space, then process it and work through it and make it the song that you're going to show the people. If that's the case, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you'll find that you don't have to edit nothing. You can literally marry these words to this music and create this moment. And, and I think that, you know, I feel like any of us could do that. I feel like the only the only ones of us who can't do that are the ones that somehow bought our spot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but I feel like if you have made it in, 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 in into a space where people want to hear what you got to say, then you gotta you gotta stick to saying the things that you've got to say. You can't, you can't, you shouldn't be going outside of that. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I mean, obviously, I've been doing this for a long time. So I've met a lot of artists who don't abide by that, who who do, you know, have careers figuring out how to make something that somebody wants to hear. And I have a respect for that because I don't know how to fucking do that. I, I don't know how to go. What would sound good? I don't know. I hear music and I will like a song based on some of the weirdest shit and not even understand myself why I like this song sometimes, you know? <laughs> and so with that, with that said, how am I supposed to like be able to fortune tell what somebody else is going to want to hear, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, especially in, in this, in, in this kind of music in, in within hip hop, there's a lot of, it's, it's very sound based. You know, if you don't have a good voice, rest in peace, guru, he said that, you know, it's all the voice. If you don't have a good voice, then, then just go write a book. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so <laughs> When it's, you know, in, in, in rock, you can have a horrible voice and get over. You just have to really learn how to use that horrible voice. Bob Dylan has got like, I cannot stand this guy's voice. He's from Minnesota. So it's fair for me to use him as an example. <laughs> I didn't um, I thought he was from New York. That's awesome. Nah, he's, from, he's from Minnesota. And, but he, it, I can't stand his voice, but I love his records because right. he takes this voice that, you know, it, it's like, but in hip hop, there's really not a lot of, opportunity to do that i might have one of the worst voices in hip-hop you know what i'm saying and and, 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 and and so you know i'm from minnesota it's okay i'm allowed to say that and and so <laughs> within that you know it's like it's an interesting approach sound sound is a huge room a huge room that you can go into and make really great music mm -hmm. um without it without your words mattering you know what i'm saying and i respect that because i I don't know how to do that. I, I, I would, I, that might be the code I need to figure out and crack next. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of <laughs> what a lot of this has come down to nowadays. When we, when we make music, you know, your competition is yourself and that can mean anything to anybody, 
But to me, what it means is that now I put rules and restrictions and ceilings and obstacles in place that I got to figure out how to maneuver while I'm writing my songs and while I'm trying to marry these words to Anthony's music. Mm-hmm. And with that said, that's, 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 that's our version now of competing with ourselves or trying to outdo ourselves. And I don't know if that will ever translate in the actual records, but I know that it's the thing that keeps this really fun for me. It's the thing that keeps me making music at the, at the, at, at the rate that I'm making, it. you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm still writing and recording every week. I don't stop unless I have to like take the family somewhere for their family vacation, whatever, or, you oh. know, drive all the kids up North to the lake. And so go see their grandma. Um, then I got to take a break, but otherwise, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm trying to get over to the studio to write songs. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, but, but that's just it. Now it's like trying to outdo the song you wrote before mm-hmm. you can't outdo who you were before you can grow you can become a better person but that doesn't necessarily translate in art all the time um and so you don't want to compete with who you are as a human or who you were not you know not not as not artistically you want to stay true to who you are today you shouldn't be the same person today that you were 20 years ago if you evolved for better or worse in 20 years, I, I don't know what to say. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Should continue to, or your paintings should continue to challenge your last painting. I don't know if, 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 if as a cartoonist, I would be like, Oh, I got to figure out how to, how to beat this cartoonist. I would probably be working on how to beat my other cartoons. Cause that's how I see music. I don't know if any of that makes sense. And I'm kind of no. rambling at this point. So no, totally. That means well, the mean, caffeine is starting, starting to wear off. <laughs> well, I mean like, okay. So 25 years later of, or maybe even a little bit longer of atmosphere, you're still putting out records that are amazing. And do are you got are you doing, I mean, you go to the studio five days a week. Is this any different? Like when you like this new album, for example, Going into this new album, do you approach it any different every time you go into the studio or is it just kind of like, let's just keep doing, you know, we do what we do. We, we approach it different every time we start a new project and then we try to, and then we stick to the rules. It's funny. We have a little meeting. We say a bunch of jokes. We come up with the plan and the plan can be as simple as, Hey, every single record on this album has to have a triangle in it or every single record on this record on this album, you know, or, or we're going to take all of the songs and, and, and put them in order. So that the first letter spells something. Okay. Now for you, we're going to make sure that everything you do um, has uh, uh, a certain type of, of spaciousness or a certain, okay. All, or, you know, and so it's like, Ant comes up with his challenges. I come up with mine. My writing challenges will be, you know, like, like the one I'm working on currently. I mean, I don't want to talk about it cause it's not done, but um, you know, the last one I worked on uh, the, the challenge was to translate my music into electro. I don't know if you're familiar with electro music and what it sounds like, but I'm trying to translate the type of songs I write into electro beats. And so the whole project, well, it'll be out. Well, now that one will come out in like later. It's, it's the one we just turned in. So it's probably a little ways out. I'm not supposed to talk about that. Okay. So I'm supposed to talk about this most recent one. So the one, (laughs) so many other realities exist simultaneously is the one that, so that, that particular, (laughs) you know, um, um, our joint challenge on that record but also our, our solo, our independent challenges on this new album that comes out May 5th. So many other realities exist simultaneously. The challenge of that was we wrote the whole thing in sequence. And so he would give me the first beat and go, here's a beat. This is what I think we should start the album with. I like this. Let's go. I take that. I make a song to it and then I bring it back. And if he goes, I like the song, this is a song here's the next beat. And then that way, my challenge was to write the story in a sequence. Now I don't want to make a whole album. That's one long story because I feel like that's like, yeah, it's not a concept album, but it is though. It ended up being a concept album, but just not something that's, it's not like you could play it while watching wizard of Oz. Okay. It's not, it's not that kind of a thing. (laughs) Um, 
but there is a story here about departure. Um, there, like, there's a, I don't want to say a main character, but it's, there's a, there's a, there's a concept of a spirit or a person. And it's about that, that particular character's um, movement through earth, departure from earth uh, and kind of like eulogy or like self eulogy. And, and so there's, I don't want to say death because the, the character doesn't really die, but also, but, but he does, uh, but they don't, I don't know how to, uh, who cares about all that? The important part is the sequencing. So he would give me a piece and I would make a song to it and, and then give it back to him. And then he would add to it and then give it back to me. And then once that song felt done, we set it here and it's like, okay, there's track one, track two. What was cool about doing it this way is it allowed me to actually pay attention to the song lengths because I wanted to make sure to fit this onto vinyl in the way that I wanted it to fit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. was able to, I was able to really approach the whole project with a final destination already in mind. In many ways, I didn't know where it was going to go or what color paint he was going to give me to, 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 to use. But I knew that when it was over with, I wanted to see a particular picture. And so in the process of all of that, I found myself really leaning into um, metaphors for creating art. Um, a lot of the titles, a lot of the referencing I do reference the different things I was kind of forcing myself to look at and experience to give me inspiration for what I was going to write about. Add all the, you know, this was our COVID album. Basically we were making this during lockdown. Uh, we oh, okay. also had, uh, you know, the police murdered George Floyd here, just not that far from where we're sitting in the car right now. And we had a, 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 an uprising here and there was just a lot going on in the city even you know the city itself the actual art scene had its own little uprising going on and, and there was call outs and there was like all of this stuff happening all at one time all of you know this album was made during that experience and so so being able to write this album in sequence and to make it about the arc of life while also kind of like being like what the hell is going on like i don't mm -hmm. i don't you know what i mean like it was a very fun album to make fun is, is a weird word to use when i mention all of the different things that were happening because obviously lockdown wasn't fun and, and, and whatnot but what i'm saying is like this was a great way for me to not go crazy and i put all that into this album you know what i mean and so it was kind of like um kind of a i don't want to say Cause, cause all the time people will say that, 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 uh, I, I use these albums as ways for me to like vent my frustrations or to, to write about whatever, you know what I mean? But this is like an actual one where this, this was, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? I, I suck when it comes to words. It's, uh, I can't remember. It's not, it, I can't remember the word, but, but, but a way to therapy therapeutic with my with 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 what i'm thinking about what i'm stressed about mm -hmm. and, and and there was just eight more stresses than just the regular stresses of just life and 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 being irritated by your surroundings or irritated by what's happening on a social level or being mad at the police because they're bitches you know there was all these extra things too you know that that also helped inform where this record went so so adding that to to, to like i was saying before the sequencing of the album allowed me to really kind of like have a, a good picture of what I wanted to paint and how I wanted to get there. And I still had to wait for him to give me the tools to use to paint the, the canvases, mm -hmm. if, you, if you will. And I think that, you know, it, it made for a very interesting time for him and I, you know, it's just our relationship, friends, we've been doing this together for a really long time. And to, to see that every time we come together to start a project, we still have these silly ideas of like, well, how could we make this you know, interesting to us, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Cause none of this shit translates to the listener ever. You know what I mean? And, but, but that's not the point. The point is like, how do we make some shit that if I ever am forced to go back and listen to this album, I'm going to hear all these Easter eggs in there and all of these things that are like, you know, about him and I and our friendship and our relationship, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and this album had a, it was a really, a really great version of that. He said something recently that I, that I liked. He said, he, he called this album a masterpiece, right? And it's not like we really talk like that, but right. he, he said that. And then he said, and the reason I say that is because I 
did my best to do everything to my fullest capabilities. And what I ended up with was a, 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 a portrait of what my masterpiece, what, 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 what my um, potential is. This is what my potential is. I, I feel like I was able to really like fulfill a lot of that here. Now I just have to figure out how to convince other people that that's what this is. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, 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 and I, and I, I was just like, wow, like that's kind of in weirdly kind of a, 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 what it is because at the end of the day, you know, especially for us, I mean, you know, a lot of our relationship to our audience is like, you, you find yourself um, listening to people talk to you about your songs. And when they, when they tell you their interpretation of them, man, there's plenty of times where I'm listening thinking, wow, your interpretation of my song is way cooler than what my song means to me. So let's run with your interpretation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and so but the 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 truth is like i have my interpretation of all this and the way ant articulated that it it really struck me as a like whoa what what a what a great succinct way to put that because i i've I've never known how to like actually articulate that feeling of like oh this is an amazing album nobody else might not know but because the reason it's amazing isn't maybe even available for people to see you know what i'm saying it's like it's more like oh it's amazing because of all these little idiosyncrasies that are inside of here that don't translate orally they're only in here because they were actually part of my physical experience uh, with the process you know what i mean sure i mean yeah without telling me that no one would know that you you know that's the way the record was created, right? I mean, or the, sure, how the album was created. Sure. Like to to be able to put those kind. Of, I love how you guys do those kind of uh, creative. It's almost like a creative exercise on each album. Like, okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna hand you all of these. You know, once one track at a time, and then we'll create the songs that way. And you're already thinking, okay, I'll, uh, the vinyl's gonna look like this, and you just have this many songs on one side, and and then you're almost you kind of have to get even more creative in a sense of building it the way that you want it to look like at the end. You know, even the art, um, I, 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 there was a guy I was following on Instagram, an artist named Michael Allen alien. And I reached out to him and just like, Hey, I really like you, what you're doing. And I have this idea that I just started working on. And this was back in, you know, mid 2020, mm-hmm. I reached out to him and was just like, I want to make this project that is a moving piece. And I think I need some of your art to help. And, and I want to start giving you, bits and pieces of what's going into this project. I don't want to, I didn't, I, it was too early to just start sending songs out over the internet to people that I barely knew. Right. So I was like, right, sending, yeah. I was, I was sending lines from the song and just things to help inform him of kind of the, the, the things I was talking about. And then he created an art piece based on his interpretation of what it was. And it's now when I look at his art, I'm just like, wow. Like it's like so much of the album is wrapped up inside of that art. I can see it the way he, works too is i'm not really sure what to call it but it's it's very fine and it's like there's drawings inside of drawings and all you know i mean so it's like Mm -hmm. this is the art itself is you know um i interpreted it as a portrait of anthony and myself which is great because i hate when they they put us on the cover of the album but in this (laughs) respect this is a really cool way to put us on the cover of the album oh yeah it's a great yeah yeah drawing i've seen the cover yeah it's really cool Right on. I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, from start to finish, this was kind of like an art fuck project for me and Ant because it's what, you know, it's just kind of what happened, especially during the era or, or the time that we were working on this was like, you know, y- nobody was going out. I wasn't going to restaurants. I wasn't, you know, I was going to the park cause it was outdoors and I could take the kids, you know what I'm saying? But it was like, otherwise it was just consumption consuming shows and netflixes and consuming you know articles and consuming and screens and consuming and consuming and looking at art you know what i'm saying looking at everybody listening i listened to more music during that time than i probably had listened to since i was like 17 or 18 years old you know and wow. so it was just like all this consumption and then taking everything i was consuming and trying to repurpose it repurpose these thoughts repurpose the anger in in the city that was happening with the george floyd shit repurpose all of the divisiveness that was going on what covid did to everybody you know what i mean it's just like you know there was a time there was an argument that i had with a neighbor it's so insane there was one moment where a neighbor was yelling at a friend of mine 
And I came outside to be like, Hey, that's my friend. He's okay. What he's doing is okay. And then the neighbor looked at me like he didn't know who I was. And it was just all just the world was kind of losing its shit. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, yes, give me all of it because I'm, I'm going to write about it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. and, and yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one, but dude, you could talk to me before any album and I'm going to be pretty excited about it. Cause that's just how it works. And then the day it comes out is the day that I'll be like, yep, I'll never hear that album again. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> You're already looking like, at the next one. <laughs> I'm already looking at the next one. You know what I mean? It's like, but, but yeah, like I, I, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely pretty excited about this. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for people to hear it, you know? Those, the songs I've heard off the album so far are awesome. I love the video. I was going to, you know, quickly just touch on the fact that the, you know, it has a kind of that alien concept to it. Was that part of the, like pulling from that artist? You said that the, he had some alien ish. Is, I, I think that's what you said about the artist. Oh, his name was, his name is Michael Allen alien. Oh, um, that's what it was. Yeah. The alien thing was uh, last summer, man, we were, we were in a van being picked up in Boston and driven out to some place out in Massachusetts for a festival. And it was like an hour drive. And while we were driving, we were driving through, you'd see forest and then all of a sudden a bridge with graffiti. And, and it was just like the juxtaposition of being in nature and still being able to see graffiti, which I, you know, I, I, um, I, I'm very sensitive to graffiti. It's a part of my childhood. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's like, and so sitting there and, and, and listening to Anthony talk in the back seat and the driver who was driving us, a, a young man, super cool dude, great driver. And um, anyway, I was like, yo, I got an idea for a video. And everybody got quiet. And I was like, how about this? And it was based on, do you remember um, Alf? Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember how well, Alf always wanted to eat the family cat? Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and so I was just like, yo, what if we take the concept of Alf? but apply it to all this shit that everybody's arguing about right now. You know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of like, so, so there's, you know, the, 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 the interspecies marriage between human and alien is being suggested, but obviously mm -hmm. that's just about people arguing about who gets to marry who, or who gets to do what, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we were just kind of like going, Hey, what if, what if with everything that's going on around us right now, we also added to the mix that there were plausibly you know aliens here walking among us you know and um and everybody laughed and that's usually a sign to me that i need to push the idea even further and so then i, I spoke with the guy justin marmo who made the uh made the video and was like what about this and and we we, we took the idea and chopped it up and and, and kind of brainstormed and, and made a video out of it you know it's weird because when you're not when you're in the space i'm in it's kind of like we're popular enough that we get we get a shot to have our shit get seen and heard but we're not so popular that a video could make or break us you know what i'm saying it's like it's like it's like so we can, we have this freedom to really just do any sh dumb shit that we think of you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. like and not only that but it's like you know it's 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 these are our resources we spend our own resources to make these videos we do what we so we do what we want to do like it, that's a freedom and a privilege that comes with being in this like weird blue collar middle ground of this of this industry you know what i'm saying yeah. like that's another thing that i'm grateful for pretty pretty yeah. lucky that 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 i'm allowed to be like hey i got an idea for a video and then a few months later see it actually materialize that's all it's such a cool video i love it like mers is in it you like kick him some change <laughs> and like <laughs> <laughs> when you're walking out of the store like uh and i love what you 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 did with felt that that group was so good i saw you guys play at like rock the bells in san bernardino or something years upon years ago um, that makes sense uh, yeah i was there i remember that yeah um but yeah i can't wait to hear the rest of the record i've got you know i've heard like four or five songs i think five songs you just put another single out um recently but i can't yep. wait to hear the rest of the album and you're doing a huge tour that's killer coming up with you know i think slightly stupid right and some other yeah slightly stupid and sublime with oh, rome. Yeah, sublime with rome yeah, yeah, yeah and the movement and us and uh, are you still in san diego i'm not I, you guys are playing petco park i moved to tennessee with like a year and a half ago Woo, so. tennessee's hot right now bro oh that's yeah it was brutal, okay? man. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Definitely. I mean, I spent my whole life in California. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. 
Well, this but is there's kind a, of interesting. Oh, no. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't mean hot temperature wise. I mean, just there's a lot going on right now for you guys. Uh, oh, yeah. Like it's, 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 a, it's a heavy space right now. So Well, hot temperature wise, too. It's like in the 80s today. But yeah. I oh, that's even, beautiful because even... it's, it's, it's 30 here right now. Bro. <laughs> oh, like, man. I'll just ref- I didn't even think to reference the yeah political aspect that's going on here. Um, yeah, it's been a, a wild month for sure. But yeah, I, I saw you guys aren't coming through here. I was trying to figure out the closest date I could get to. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. And you guys just had a, a tragedy there, too. Like, yeah, Tennessee's Tennessee's going through it, man. Like, I, I, I hope the best for you guys. I hope everybody gets gets through all this without too much infighting, man. Like, it, it's 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 crazy to watch the world um, pick sides as mm. if there's just two sides you know what i'm saying it's like it's it's weird how it's like you either agree with me on everything or fuck you and <laughs> right, exactly it's 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 weird because you know i'm old and so i can remember when you know if you and me agreed on three things and disagreed on three things we could still show up at the protest and get along because we agreed on the thing that we're protesting about today you know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. kind of like you're either this or you're this. And there's there's, there's no more room for for nuance or or, or just, you know, uh, even understanding why the other person might think the way they think. It's a it's a weird thing. But, yeah, you guys are kind of the heart right now of of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then, yeah, it's, thank you, man. Yeah, we're a little south of, of Nashville and more of the suburbs, but. Yeah, it's been uh, definitely an interesting time. Definitely, uh, it was it was quite a change when we moved from from, from San Diego to here for sure. But we love yeah. it; it's good for our family. Um, but dude, thank you so much, Slug, for doing this today, man. Like honestly, you are so awesome. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, like I said, you were like one of the first people I ever interviewed when I was just getting into radio in like 2008. And I, I thank you so much for for your time today, man. I appreciate you back, man. Take care of yourself. Uh, I should go. I just realized I'm yeah. five minutes late for oh. the next one. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, Do you have one not- second? To, I just my last question is just if you have any advice to aspiring artists. I don't know if you have one sentence. I mean, you know, advice is weird because that would signify that I know what I'm doing or that I did it right. Um, what I would say to young artists that are trying to get in is one: just remember, if you just keep going and you just stick to you and doing what you're going to do, you're, it's going to work. Now that doesn't mean you're going to get rich or anything, but what it means is that it's going to resonate with people because at some point, all of us just want somebody who's not going to lie to us. That's it. We just want somebody who's going to tell us the truth, something we can believe in, give us something to hope for. And so That doesn't mean you have to write about that or paint about that. But what it means is if you just stick to who you are and what you do and being genuine and and honest with all that, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to land with people. You're going to find your audience. You know, Um, I think that's the main thing that I, that I, and I, and I've said that before. Some, some people who, who, who hear this might have heard me say that before, but that's, that's the thing that I try to always tell younger cats is like, just don't lie don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to, don't lie to your audience. Don't, don't lie. Don't lie to your mom. <laughs> <laughs>